I've never cooked rabbit. I, I like rabbits, so I'm kind of sad. Okay. Cassie, you got to move, girl. You haven't got the rabbit loin cooked yet, okay? And that right. needs to rest, okay? Right, chef. What are these bits for? I was going to add it to the sauce, and I completely forgot about them. Listen, if you... Should I add that into the sauce now? I thought we said we were going to use the legs of the wild rabbit yes, to chef. make the sauce, but you've yes, made chef. the sauce and forgot the rabbit, so I'm a little bit lost, Cassie. There you go. It's time for Grillin' McMillan with ESPN Las Vegas NFL insider, Mark McMillan. Five o'clock hours here. Friday, Friday, yeah! All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Willie, Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studios. Willie is over at TI. I'm going to take some deep breaths. And we're going to start out calmly. We're getting ready for college basketball tonight. The reason we're going to start out calmly this hour, and I got to scream out, is if you listen to this show closely and often, you'll actually hear me get more worked up over reality shows sometimes than sports. And I've been watching Mark McMillan on Next Level Chef, and Mark had a tough week last week. And I'll admit, I bowed out of our spot because I didn't think I could handle it, and I, was, I might cry on the air. It would be a rage cry. So we're going to try this. Let's bring in Mark. We're not going to talk about the food show for three minutes. We're going to talk some UNLV football because I saw Mark the other day. Mark, can we do this? Can we stay composed? Keep me under control? Yeah, I, I can, man. I know, man. I know when the show is on, man. I look at some of your tweets and... You really go hard in the paint, man. I can just imagine if you were on set, uh, why I was out there cooking or just on set on one of these reality shows. They might have to ask you to leave, man, because you, you get into it. I like I, it. I get so mad. I mean, we just, uh, okay, I'm not going to do it. I was just going to go into it. Stop for a second. All right. First of all, you were out at one of the, the uh, practices this week. It was day five of uh, spring practice for UNLV. It's a new regime. And after the practice you were watching, you watched for a couple hours, I asked you, I said, hey, what do you see that might be different? And this is not to bang on Marcus Arroyo, because I thought he ran really good practices and they were fast-paced. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't play you know, like you did at that level, so I don't know all the different practice you know, routines. What did you see with Barry Odom's practice? Uh, I think they're, they're holding these guys accountable more. Um, like I said, uh, it's not a knock on Arroyo. Um, I thought he did a really good job. Uh, his practice was spirited. Guys were getting after it. Uh, but, uh, you know, Coach Odom comes from a background from the SEC. So um, his mentality is, is different. You know, you just have to say it, it is different. Um, it's like playing from the Pac-12 to the SEC or the Big Ten. You know, those styles are different styles of football and different brands. And, you know, just seeing him get after those guys, um, I know Coach Marin, the offensive coordinator. I've been knowing him for like seven or eight years. He actually recruited my son when he was coming out of high school when he was at Howard. Uh, so just knowing the staff that they got, um, I had an opportunity to talk to the AD as well, you know, for about a good 30 minutes and just about, you know, what's going on just in the athletic department as a whole. And I think he really hit a home run with the hire of Odom. And then Odom goes out and hires some really good coaches uh, that with good pedigree that can go out and get it. And, you know, we were, you know, when, when Hunky came available from San Diego State, I was one of the top guys out there tweeting, they, hey, make it happen. And, you know, people was like, there's no way it's going to happen. But, you know, landing Hunky Cooper, man, that is huge for this program uh, moving forward. And, you know, 
Uh, he's been at San Diego State for a while, and you know their offense has always been good. He has really tough guys at San Diego State, and that's one emphasis I, I know they're really trying to instill in these guys is you have to be mentally tough uh, to get through practices. Uh, you can't fall into the old regime of just accepting mediocre. Um, seeing Coach stop in the middle of practice and rip these guys, I was like, wow, that's pretty good. You know, I remember that from Coach Gene Stallings. If it's not going well, <laughs> he'll stop the whole practice. Yep. And you know, I never saw that from the old regime, but, you know, that's not saying a knock on Coach Royal. I just think uh, Odom comes with a different mindset, um, trying to weed out that loser mentality. And, you know, it's going to take a lot of work, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that, that I think can get it done. Speaking with Grillin, Mark McMillan, um, and I was that's exactly where I was going with my question. Um, I, I sort of liken it to Lindy LaRock with the Lady Rebels. When you watch this team, which she's done in three years, it resembles the Pac-12. That's where she learned coaching under Tara Vanderveer. It looks like a Pac-12-type run-and-gun team, the way that it yeah. plays. Did you get a sense that this is an SEC-run program now? Did, is there a vibe only you could possibly really tell us? Um, I think i got to go out there and check it out a couple more team, uh, a couple more practices. Uh, I know from the coaching standpoint, these guys have coached at Power 5 level. Um, and obviously they don't have that, that power five uh, mentality yet. And, you know, that's something that he's going to have to work on. Uh, I'm sure the transport portal is going to be really important. Um, I, they need a big running back. Uh, they need some help on the outside as well. Um, they need to beef up a little bit on the offense and defensive line uh, from what I saw. Um, you know, I know they got a lot of defensive backs in. So, you know, everybody's not going to make it on the team. And, you know, that's one thing about college football, you know, those scholarships are not guaranteed. And, you know, there's going to be some guys that I'm sure that they're going to weed out and try to bring in his guys. And that's what guys do. You know, we see it with the Raiders. Uh, you know, he, he wants his Patriot guys in there. And every coach does that. And, you know, even when I went to Alabama, I got recruited by Bill Curry, who got fired, and Gene Stallings took over. But I wasn't a Gene Stallings guy, so he put me over there with the walk-on. And, you know, so that that's something that this, uh, I'm sure Barry's going to take a strong look at during the uh, practices through the spring. And after the spring ball is over, there's going to be a lot of different dudes on that roster. I can guarantee you that. Mark McMillan's with us. All right, let's talk competition. Next Level Chef, episode four. <laughs> I mean, as soon as I saw Chinese food, I mean, you're a grilling guy. I see Chinese food. Yeah. Then I'm wondering what meat you're going to choose. Like, is there something you can grill? You know, are there ribs? Is it pork? Something Chinese style? And then like, okay, what kind of starch? And then what happened yeah. when you went to grab the starch? I, I, I drew a blank. You know, I, I grabbed the fish because when they told us Chinese food, like they'll tell you like five minutes before you have to go up that elevator. Uh, so your, your mind's got to think real quick. So I'm thinking like, okay, fried rice. Uh, maybe if I get some shrimp, I could do some, uh, you know, some teriyaki shrimp. If I get fish, you know, I can blacken the fish or, you know, use some teriyaki sauce on it over some rice, but I drew a blank on the rice. Mm. I didn't see it. I'm looking at some of my teammates. They got noodles. They got, you know, Vinny's got black rice. I'm thinking, like, how in the hell did they get this rice? And you, that was a big mistake of mine, and, you know, it was a – it cost me, you know, put me in the elimination round. But uh, I know Gordon was like, Mark, how in the hell did you forget a starch? <laughs> yeah. And then, like you said, then there were some other weird choices, like Vinny with the black rice. He'd never used it before. And, and they're like, 
Bruh, that takes two hours to cook. Yeah, 45 <laughs> minutes. I mean, it's just the pressure of getting to that platform, grabbing yeah. stuff, and then kind of formulating what you want to cook, and then making sure you grab everything. We have seen almost every episode someone forgets something really key, and a lot of times it's the protein. Talk, yeah. I mean, mention again, like, what, what is the scenario? You're on one side of the room, this platform comes down, and then you really have no idea what's coming, and then it's a free-for-all. Yeah, you you know you have to got to make sure your hand is on the elevator, and you know Gordon's counting down, and you hear the platform coming down, or you know, and you have thirty seconds to grab whatever you can that's left, you know, and you know I, I get I was going at it with a couple of people on social media talking about it's scripted, it's fake. I was like, this is one show that you can't script. How the hell are you going to script a platform coming down and you got to grab the food? Like, right, you can't script it. You know, you got to actually cook it. There's no if you don't grab your protein, they're not going to be like, okay, well, we got to make sure Mark grabs his protein to make the show look good. No, if you don't grab it, you're you're. I can't say it on the air, but you're you're you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're and you know, it's 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 a it's a it's, it's a great concept. Um, like I said, once you in it, Steve, it is it is nerve wracking because you know, once you get back to your station, you're looking at everything you got, and then you just got to cart. Uh, you know, and, and figure it out. Like, man, what can I make with this? And uh, obviously, my fish. You know, just learning from uh, earlier competitions. You got to put it in the last minute. But I think I put it in, and he said, "Well, one more minute, and it would have been cooked to perfection." So yeah. that's how precise this competition is, man. And uh, I screwed up on the fish, and I didn't grab my my starch, and I went to elimination. So let me. Uh, so Mark, you know it's funny because over the years I've noticed sometimes on Twitter, as you mentioned, you go at it with people on Twitter. Um, <laughs> you are not shy when it comes to anyone if they have a microwave on their counter or a gas grill in their backyard, and you are all over them. But this had to be a little bit humbling for you. What did you take away from it in terms of a new appreciation for a different side of cooking? Um, that it, it's some really good, talented chefs in this world. Um, you know, you look at Tiny, who's 18, pressing on our team, who's 19, just turned 20. Um, you, you look at Nori Stretch, who's been cooking for a while. Um, you know, these, these, these are people that went to culinary school. And, you know, I'm sure um, they had a found respect for me for playing football, and I have the same respect for them of being in the kitchen. And some of these dishes, they were, they're, they're throwing out unbelievable dishes, man. The way they're making sauces from scratch, uh, you know, just making like wild game was last week. Like, wild game? Like, who cooks wild game? You know, so, you know, it's amazing that uh, what these people can come up with. And like I said, man, what a blast. What an honor for me to be able to have uh, Gordon Ramsay taste my food. And, you know, he, he said it was okay. You know, he, you know, he didn't spit it out. <laughs> Uh, the show continues, rolls on without Mark. We're talking to Mark McMillan. We're talking about next-level chef, a little football, as uh, we're in our 5 o'clock hour getting ready for uh, college basketball here at the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Willie's over at Treasure Island. Um, so I was really upset that you lost last week, and then we get doubly screwed. Um, I'm watching, and our our friend Cassie, really your friend, yeah. who, of course, you know yeah. went, went to Rutgers, my school. <sighs> They had her, you know, they, everyone had to cook more gamey meat, and she got rabbit, yeah. and she just didn't know what the hell to do. Yeah, it's, it, like I said, it's tough, man. You don't know what challenge you're going to get until you actually get to the studio, so you can't go to your room at night and say, hey, you know, we got rabbit, we got wild games, so let me read up on it. 
Um, you know, some of the stuff that, that we're cooking was, you know, I, some of the stuff I watched those guys cook is unbelievable. It's crazy. Of course, duck. You know, if you get duck, it's like, okay, I can do something with duck. But rabbits. Uh, you know, and then my man Vinny Nuggets come through with fried alligator nuggets yep. in the basement. Mm. You know, so I think he should have won that uh, that challenge. Um, you know, of course, I'm going to be a little salty. You know, we were six strong, and then they hit us with back-to-back. Yep. Uh, so I'm a little upset about that, but uh, Cassie, she rocked it, man. She did a great job. Um, you just see the emotion on her face. You know, that's why I get a little pissed off when people try to go at the cast members. Because there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind those cameras that you realize that these are real human beings put in a situation. These people have never been on TV before in their lives. Uh, you know, you can tell me I suck all day long. I'm used to it. I just roll it off. But, you know, when people come at my teammates, man, I get, I get a little pissed off. <laughs> Speaking of grilling, Mark McMillan. So, Mark, we're in Vegas. We have to add a Vegas flair to this. Now that you're off the show, handicap it. Who is the best future bet if there were one? Who's going to win it? Um, that's tough. Uh, like you said, uh, it's a competition, and, you know, it's all about who can produce that, that best dish. Um, you know, if you falter, um, hopefully one of your teammates can pick you up. Um, you saw that the uh, last couple of weeks, uh, Chef Blaze's team has been, been crushing it. You know, they, they've been at the top level, and Chef Nuri, uh, you know, he's been crushing it as well. Uh, Omi has been crushing it. You saw Shea, who dropped. He didn't even put his plate on the platter. He didn't even put his plate on the platter. Yeah. And, you know, he got an elimination, but, you know, he beat out Cassie. So, you know, it, it's unbelievable, uh, you know, what, what these chefs can do. So anything can happen because you can have a – everybody's going to have a bad day in this, in this competition. And you just hope that your teammate is uh, able to pick you up. So I'm always going to pull for Team Ramsey. Um, so you, you just never know. You know, Michelle's a great cook. Uh, Vinny's a firehouse guy. He's been in the he's been in the heat for a while. Uh, Tucker has not put out a bad dish yet. Tucker is crushing it. So I'm going to be pulling for Team Ram. Yeah, I think Mark might have a confidentiality agreement that he signs. I don't know that he can really predict the winner. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. Nuri, Teeny, Tucker. Those are those are the favorites right now. But there's a couple other folks who are really good on there uh, who have been unreal. Hey, Mark, let's close on this. Mark McMillan's with us, the former Eagle, uh, near 10-year career in the National Football League, now a rising star of food television. I hope you start getting a bunch of gigs. Uh, This one was really cool. Uh, And check out Thursday nights is when Next Level Chef is on Fox. Willie and I are both really confused with the fact, and maybe it's just the gamesmanship and people are just waiting. We're really confused by the fact that there's not multiple organizations jumping out the opportunity to get Lamar Jackson, and I'm not saying give Lamar Jackson $300 million guaranteed or 250 but yeah. if the Ravens offered $133 million, you're telling me no one else wants to ensure their future for the next five years at quarterback by giving this guy guaranteed money and fixing their issues at QB by making a run? Especially at Lamar instead of a guy like Aaron Rodgers who can be petulant, unpredictable, yeah. and may only play a year or two. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are shocked, and it just comes to the reality of this game. Um, it's a business, and you know you got those billionaires sitting in those boxes, uh, you know, with their own agendas of why they want to, uh, you know, pay these guys. Um, you know, they let this drag on too long, and, and you know, I'm sure Lamar's got to be salty. You know, I saw uh, Marlon Humphrey. You know, he's not happy. You know, obviously he's got his money, but you know, Lamar's the guy. He he makes that that organization go, and. 
you look at all the quarterbacks that got guaranteed money and got paid, have losing records. You know, he's, he's, he has a winning record. He's been to playoff games. He's been an MVP of the league. And to see this happen in Baltimore after they're like, hey, we're going to make sure he's okay. We're going to take care of him. You know, that's a bunch of bull crap, man. And uh, if I was him, I'd be a little sulky if I ever go back. And I know people say, well, he should take this kind of money. But the market is showing Kyler Murray, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, all these guys making more guaranteed money than what they offer him is, is, is a – I don't even know. I can't, I can't explain it either, man. It's a, it's a head scratcher. By the way, in coming weeks, once things slow down after college football, we got to get some of the uh, fellow chefs on as we find out more about the show. So we got we definitely got to get Cassie on, and we also need yeah. to get Big Matt on because he's a fellow griller. I, I just I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I think it was two days ago. Matt from the show put up. Uh, he was doing prime rib in the air fryer. So then I tagged our buddy Judge Dan, who's a big pit master, who's on the show all the time, and bust on me yeah, for using the air fryer. So then Dan, I don't think, realized who he was. So D- Judge Dan goes at Matt, and I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, Matt, Matt's a Philly slash Jersey guy. Matt yeah, don't is. hold his tongue. Yep. So, you know, when I saw that tweet, I was like, oh, boy, better be ready, man, because Matt does not care. And Matt's a gr- Matt is a real master. Like, he, that's his business. You know, that's what he does. So, you know, um, he if you watch him on TikTok, he does a, amazing stuff. He's got lo- over 3 million followers. Uh, so so Matt's my guy, man. He's a Philly guy. He loves the Eagles. Uh, like I said, uh, I'm excited to see the show continue. Um, the reviews have still been great, which is awesome. And, you know, more doors are opening up for me. I have to do a cooking demonstration uh, for the next week. And then I just got a call today that they want to fly me in my uh, – fly me and my family to New Orleans to cook for 200 people nice. in New Orleans in April. Awesome. How cool is that, man? Awesome. Mark, don't you need a runner? Like, a, like <laughs> not even a food prepper. I, I can I can carry stuff. I can load stuff. I'm good with a hand truck. Come on, man. Hey. I'm gentle with eggs. I used to deliver eggs. I can do it. <laughs> hey, eggs are too high right now. Eggs are, I know, right? eggs are too high. <laughs> I want to cook caviar. We can't do the eggs, all right? <laughs> all right, Mark. We'll talk to you. I'll see you next week. All right, appreciate it, guys. Appreciate you, Willie. All right, Mark. There he is. That, the show is a lot of fun. It's a good competition the way they have it designed. And, man, I get freaking. We got to get, get really... him on a barbecue competition. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Willie, try to watch next week. And mm-hmm. I want you to make a – or even watch last night's episode back and okay. try to make a judgment because I'll, I'll make odds. I just sent you the odds. Okay. These will be my odds for the top four people, and I'm probably not doing a good job as an odds maker. But um, – yeah, I have the. There's a, a tall dude who's like six six, Nuri, who's only twenty two. I have him three to one. Teeny is like an eighty pound, nineteen year old woman who has killed it with all these weird dishes she's made. Tucker is a little more of a vet out of San Fran. I have her plus four fifty, and then uh, Marine is a Bangladeshi, and she won last night. She won with duck, and it was like duck masala. Uh, I think she's a not a sleeper, but I think she's fourth choice at seven to one. How many episodes are there? How many? Do you know how many? I have. You know what? I don't even. What was the full field? I'd, I'd have to look at the numbers, and I'm sure there's probably eight, nine more episodes. So maybe 14, somewhere yeah. in there. 12 and, unless they, unless well, they start what, speeding it up and eliminating two people in an episode. Well, what I was going to say is we'll get JVT involved, and then he could give us the, uh, the odds based on, like, per 14 episodes in non-garbage time. Because he, he breaks those analytics down nicely. Well, speaking of John, John's going to join me here at the uh, Thomas & Mac. Willie's going to be uh, hanging out at uh, 
Treasure Island at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Get on down there. Tons of prizes. Uh, we'll get you ready over the next 40 minutes for what's going on around town in college basketball. Get you updated on what's happened so far. And like I said, Ticketmaster.com is the site, man. You want to get out here. I am so freaking amped because these are good teams. There's great stories involved. And the fan bases, like if you haven't been around an energetic college basketball game, it is going to be crazy tonight here at the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Ticketmaster.com, at the Thomas and Mac. It all starts up at 630. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Vegas Madness, Vegas Madness. We got Pac-12 over at T-Mobile. We'll break down the semis and that. Wax playing in town. Orleans. Big West is over at DLC. And then we're at the tournament that's been here the longest, Mountain West Conference Tournament, Utah State and Boise San Diego State and San Jose State kick things off at 6.30. You know, next week when you're looking for a spot to watch all the tournament action, Westgate and Hoop Central is a great spot all around the Superbook. In their theater, 1,500 seats, smoke-free. The screens there are insane. Killer food and drink specials. You do have to buy the seats, though. Ticketmaster.com, that's become the standard all around town at a lot of the big parties. So get your seats at Ticketmaster.com for Hoop Central. Uh, Thursday and Friday, doors open at 8.30, games tip off right around 9 o'clock. And the other cool thing that's going on with uh, Jay and John down at Westgate here in Las Vegas at the Superbook, they're doing a showdown contest, a Hoop Central showdown contest, where you pick 28 sides in the first round of the tournament. And uh, from there, it gets whittled down. You can enter up to uh, three entries. Got to have the selections in by... March 13th, if I'm correct. No, submitted by March 15th at 10 o'clock. So, and you can do that via the mobile app if you have things set up with a regular mobile account. So there you go. Two great things going on. The viewing party, Westgate Hoop Central, and then the Hoops Central Showdown Contest. I'm already starting to think, like, well, I'll say last night, this is why I love college basketball and I love college sports. The energy you get from the crowds is just different than every other sport. And... Last night here at the Mountain West Conference, there were probably 750 to 1,000 Utah State kids here. They're the herd. San Diego State had a really big crowd here. Boise, like five sections worth of fans. Like, I love the energy that goes into this thing. And then it all reaches a crescendo next week when we start with the plans on Tuesday and Wednesday and then the tournament on Thursday and Friday. But you already start thinking, like, hey, where, where am I going to watch it? I'm going to be doing Cofield and Company. I don't know who's going to be doing it with me, but I'll be doing it on Thursday and Friday. Silver Sevens on Thursday, Friday at TI. I have a school that I follow, my school, so I got to think about what I'm going to do. John sends over a message the other day, and it was something about permission, almost like a fun pass. The wife says this. All right, so what, what are you allowed to do? What are you planning to do? And, and yet you're a little bit worried that there's something sinister going on. So I was actually just kidding in that my, my wife's awesome, so she doesn't really care about these sort of things. Um, I have permission. But to the, do she, it. she told me that next Friday was, quote, my day. Do whatever I want. Okay. Go wherever I want. Do whatever I want. Uh, Dangerous Dan, who works at the station, we've got plans to go to a local watering hole early on, and then we'll see what transpires from there. Um, 
but I don't know what I want to do. I jokingly asked you, is this a trap? Like, do I just, do I head out at 9 a.m. next Friday, come back home at 11, yep. just blast it and just <laughs> and, and I mean, fall you, back asleep? You were told it's your day. Right. Now, I'm a team player, so I probably won't use the whole day. Really? Yeah, yeah. She gave you the day. Maybe I will. Yeah, you got to do it. This is, these are the debates that I have because I feel like I, I like, you know, even let's say that I, I go out early and I'm a, a little rambunctious, we'll say. Yes. I'm probably going to come home and take a nap. So I'm out of commission anyway. I might as well just be gone all day. Rambunctious and out of commission. And a nap, though. <laughs> a nap. I mean, I, I'm just assuming that I'm probably going hard a little bit in the morning and then I don't know. I'm, I'm, dude, I'm old. Can't do it anymore. Um, so my dilemma is my school's on the bubble. Rutgers is on the bubble. They lost to Purdue today, but they won a game against Michigan. I was looking at the bracket, bracket matrix. They're in 95 of 102 brackets. Now, if there's some bid stealers, all of a sudden, they're last, they're last four in, but I think they're second of the last four in. There are some games. There's some teams ahead of them that could lose. Like, I haven't checked the Penn State score. We'll get that in a second. Um, but if I'm in the play in round, that potentially could start during the show. Yeah. I ain't doing the show. I'm watching the freaking game. You realize uh, before the last four years when they've kind of turned the corner finally and they have a winning basketball program, uh, you know, I talked about this. The last time that school had made the NCAA tournament, John, mm -hmm. was when I was calling games at the student radio station. I'm not 28. Do you still have that call? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 28. So I'm in my 50s. It was a near 30-year drought. Yeah. So when they make the tournament, if they do, I'm watching. I mean, I guess, so what are we thinking? Like, if we're looking at this realistically, because you mentioned bid stealers, I guess there's a couple, right? There's the MEAC that's still in action, the MAC, where you can get a bid stealer. Well, but then you have to have the best team actually get a bid with it. That's what I'm really, saying. Really, the bid stealers are on the big conferences. So, like, Arizona State has kind of turned into a bid stealer, but they're actually in. Yeah. And some other teams have lost. Uh, you know what? Let's catch up on, on some time here. We'll come back. We'll go through the early morning Bracketology, you know, last four in, last four buys, first four out, because it involves some of the Mountain West teams as well and a lot of big-name schools. Yeah. Cofield and Company returns in two minutes, live from the Mountain West Conference Tournament inside the Thomas and Mac. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mac. Yeah, a lot of controversy here at the TNM Mountain West Conference Tournament. Uh, yesterday, I got yelled at because I was uh, just kind of walking wherever I wanted to, doing the sidelines for UNLV Radio. You know, I forget, oh, it's a different group in here, and CBS has a lot of say. So I was, uh, was kind of operating behind the benches, and I tried to look in on a replay, and then all of a sudden, some guy's like, you can't be there! I'm like, all right, all right. Um, I also, uh, we have bartender friends here because we're connected. We're important, right? We're Vegas. Um, and I love that the, they have ginger ale up here. They don't have ginger ale in the media room, but the, the ginger ale here is a Schweppes. Is it a glass bottle, too? And that's the other thing. So I had it down on the media table. The second, There's two levels, right? And the Schweppes label was turned around because, you know, I'll mention one more time, free pop. Uh, all of Cofield's tweets are brought to you by Schweppes. Mm -hmm. But uh, I came back, and the person sitting next to me is like, hey, a Mountain West Conference official came over and said, uh, you can't have the bottle up there because it's not a sponsor. 
So I'm like, wow, okay, I wasn't even thinking of it, but I guess it's on camera and uh, the ginger ale got some free pops. So last year, uh, being the team player that I am, the laptop that I usually use last year had a big VSIN sticker on it. And I was, oh, sitting right right. I was sitting right behind Lapis in the CBS booth. So I just pushed my laptop just a little bit down for the entirety of like two games. You just saw the VEASAN logo between, La <laughs> between Lapis and whoever, yep. <laughs> whoever yep. was calling the game. Oh, it, was, it was a brilliant move on my part. So let's talk about what's going on with the bubble and bracketology. And Lenardi, I don't think, has updated his up on ESPN since 8.30 our time this morning. If you go to bracketmatrix.com, they're doing it throughout the day. Yeah. And that's 102 different brackets, and you kind of see you know, how many brackets your school was in or a bubble school was in. I noticed that as of four hours ago, Reno was in 50 of 102 brackets. Yeah. That's not good. That loss yesterday to San Jose State really crushed them. I think they're toast. Yeah, they're in trouble. Because, I mean, think about it, too, to your point. I would assume that maybe even some of these brackets aren't even updated. Right, in terms of the bracket matrix. I like mean, on some the, of the ones that they're on the matrix. Don't you? Eh, you know what I mean? You don't the, think they demand, like, you have to be updating all I mean, How could they control that? Well, I mean, but, like, so one of them. Well, would, one of them is, is ESPN, yeah. Correct. So I would assume that maybe some of these they're compiling aren't updated on their end. Not bracket matrix's end, but the person who has made these. But regardless, to your point, like, you know, when I, I tweeted that out yesterday, when you when you talk about them being on the outside looking in, or barely on the inside, for some people like Jerry Palm, you lose that game and you have others behind them that are going to still be alive and improving their resume. Yep. I, I find it hard to believe that Nevada's in. Right now, Clemson is in 13 of 108, but they play Virginia, mm -hmm. so they could probably play themselves back close. Uh, Oregon has everything in front of them. Yes. Right? In the Pac-12 semis, which we'll get to. But, yeah, right now the Wolfpack are 49 brackets out of 108. So some of the scores. Oregon's in one, by the way. Of 108. So they're a bit stealer. They have yes. to, they're going to have to win the Pac-12 tournament, but hey, they're still in it. So what was that Big Ten score I was looking for? Penn State and Northwestern, because that's a big one. Two minutes left, Penn State, and it's overtime. Penn State's up 60-58 to 58 on Northwestern. Oh, by the way, Michigan State got bumped by Ohio State today, so that's a pretty big upset. Man, Ohio State's on fire. That would be a bid stealer. 16 and 18 right now. If they and their the expectations for that program are really high. They had a great freshman class, and they've just underachieved. Oh, I th well, and I think that's what makes them so dangerous, right? Because going into conference play, their offense was incredible. It's still casually for a national rating, is still pretty high. Their ceiling on offense is great, and like you said, I mean they had that terrible stretch at the start of conference play, and now all of a sudden they're starting to get things together in a conference that I think is like a bunch of teams that are kind of on the same level with one another. That could be, yeah, that could be another one of your bid stealers. It's not the strongest one out there, but it's one. Last four buys. That means you don't have to do the playing game on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Boise State playing Utah State tonight, and neither team is guaranteed to be in. So the loser puts themselves in peril. The winner should be solid. That would be the second team, only the second team from the Mountain West Conference. Providence, last four buys. They lost yesterday to Creighton, so I guess they're safely in if they're last four buys. Penn State, like I mentioned, playing Northwestern. Mm -hmm. Mississippi State got destroyed today. By Alabama, so they should slide down. Um, I mentioned uh, Rutgers last four in. This would be these would be the teams that the big boy teams that would be playing, squaring off uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Rutgers lost close to Purdue today. Pitt got destroyed by Duke yesterday by 27. Utah State second to last team in against Boise tonight, and the last 
team in, according to Lenardi, is Arizona State. They beat USC last night, and then they play rival Arizona today. Who they beat already. What motiv- <laughs> they just beat them last week in a half-court shot. What motivation for Arizona, not only playing for a seed, but also to F over Arizona State and knock them from the field. Yep. That's a good setup, and that's over at the Fortress tonight. Yep. No, that one, the... Um the Pac-12 is it would be the most intriguing conference, just given the fact they have Arizona State fighting what they're fighting for. Oregon likely the strongest bid stealer out there because there are a lot of people in the betting community who bet Oregon. We've talked about this, right? They think that they're a sexy pick to win this tournament, and they're taking on UCLA, who's missing one of their best defenders. So this is setting up. Imagine a Pac-12 conference championship between Oregon and Arizona State. <laughs> That'd be pretty dramatic. That'd be pretty crazy. You'd essentially be playing for a bid. Well, you already are, but you know what I'm saying. Before we break down the Final Four here, because we only have a few minutes left, you watched UNLV last night. Run Rebels just get off to a, a rough start because Boise would, just would not miss. 10 of 14 from three. It's 50 to 34 at the half. They play better defense. Boise cools off. UNLV moves the ball a little better than they have in, in you know some of their poor offensive games. But it was still a freaking grind. They actually got it to two multiple occasions, you know, eight minutes left, seven minutes left, six minutes left. They just could not hit key shots. And then a few uh, small mistakes at the end of regulation. Like, they were down 73-70 on two occasions. Yeah. And one of the times, I don't know what happened, but Harkless fell down. Yeah. I got the video on my phone. Like yeah, you, you, were, you, were right, you were right there. He like, was, foot just gave out. Foot just slipped out underneath foot him. slipped, or do you think there was, was there something on the floor? Nobody went to go wipe it. Uh-huh. I mean, so, like, I, it didn't seem like it. It seemed like his foot just slipped out from underneath him. And now, like, that was that was the most pivotal moment because that, like, he looked like he wanted the – he got the matchup that he wanted. He got yep. the guy switched on to him, and it looked like he was about to go straight to the basket like and get something favorable for himself or at least get to a spot where he can do his little turnaround jumper that he likes as well. Nope, foot just slips out from underneath him. Brutal. So they couldn't convert there. They had another chance at 73-70. And then down the very stretch, they have the ball. They have a miss, a bad miss from the right side of the floor. I don't even know if it got the rim. It was an air ball. And there it's you know, it's probably three and a half. Three, two. And Shane Noel basically runs, gets the ball, runs to the corner, pump fakes, and then shot a three on the angle behind the glass. With was that Degenhart in front of him? Yeah. Who I think was supposed to foul. But I mean at that point, that's crazy if you foul. And Shane Noel makes the shot to go to overtime. So I was you, were, a, you were right there. I was going to say, I was essentially sitting behind Shane Noel. So I got, like, I got a really good shot at his angle, or at least what he was looking at. I have – and look, I'm sitting down, so it's not the, the, the same angle. I have no idea how that shot went in. I, all of us, all of us sitting there sitting next to Adam Hill, we all immediately like, went to a phone or something to find the replay. We were just like, how in the world did he get that up? How in the world did he hit it? How was he not fouled because there was so much contact and so many bodies in that area? That was – Wild, and that was one of the best. I think, honestly, it was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been in a live sporting event. That was ridiculous was cool, in that right? corner. So, what developed last night was, I think Boise at the start of the game had more fans in the building than UNLV. A, a decent Rebel crowd filed in. At that point, it was probably because you have to realize there's other fan bases in there. So, say it was like thirty percent Boise, twenty percent. UNLV. Well, then Utah State's got like 3,000 fans, about 1,000 students. They don't want to play Boise. They want to play the team you know, they deem worse. 
in UNLV. So then they get behind UNLV. Then I think more of the building got behind UNLV, and it got really loud. And then, of course, after the game, we hear from the players on two occasions and Leon Rice about what an accomplishment it was to beat UNLV on their home floor, which technically it's their own building. Yeah, but so, didn't he also call it, what did he call it, something south? He, he also said, uh, you know, we had a good crowd here about four minutes later. I think he forgot uh, about his whining about the, uh, the game on UNLV's home floor. He called it Extra Mile South, there which is go. the name of their arena, yeah. you know, convenience store up there. Okay. It, and it, it was, there, were, there were a lot of Boise fans here last night. How much time did we – I have commentary on this really quickly. Yeah, do it. I would like to speak directly to the UNLV band really quick. I'm very disappointed. So the Utah State crowd and the cheer, the fans are cheering like crazy for UNLV. But, Steve, why were they cheering for UNLV? Because they wanted to play UNLV. Yeah, yeah. It is an insult to your basketball yes, program yeah, yeah. that they are cheering for you to move on. And so the UNLV band afterwards start chanting Utah State in like a form of solidarity. What are you doing? Yeah. They're calling you the lesser program. They're calling you the easy mark. They want to play you so they can beat you in the next round. I don't know. <laughs> what are we doing right don't now? Don't be friendly with anyone in this you conference. Should be, the second that game is over, you should be flipping birds at them and angry. Like, screw you guys. <laughs> they don't, they're, they're not going to get it. They're not going to get it. Um, so now the offseason. And it was interesting last night because there was. were multiple questions asked of Kevin Kruger, and he really didn't have any answers, and I don't – yeah, he has a rough idea who's going to be back and what they're going to be shooting for. But the, someone actually asked Justin Webster about uh, he has an extra year of eligibility and what he was going to do. And he, he said point blank, he's like, I don't know. He's like, it might be elsewhere. I don't know what his options would be. Um, I think they're hoping that Justin Webster's back. He's not a great player. He had a good game last night. And he can get uh, better. He had 18 last night. He had a lot of big threes. But he is such a stabilizing presence year-round for the program that it would be great to have him back. But... I think part of it was also dealing with the emotion of the end of the season. And, you know, he said, I have to weigh my options and see if I'm going to be here or somewhere else. First, if I could add, I would say his tournament play was awesome. He was great at the end, uh, at the end of the, um, uh, wow, why am I blanking, uh, Air Force game. He was fantastic. Closed out both games in the tournament. It was a really big reason why they were able to come back against Boise State. So, no, he was great. And yeah, I, was, I was actually kind of impressed with his answer. That was a very frank and honest answer. Like, I'm, uh, look, I'm weighing my options. You don't even give, like, the tepid, like, yeah, I love it here. Like, it's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to think about this. Yeah. And, he, and he should. And he rightfully should. But I would think that they'd be lucky if he comes back. Because, like you said, I think stabling presence is a really good way to put it. He's a good team player. He's a solid team defender. He's never really out of place. He was, at times, and still is, I think, their best, like, most consistent shooter. They, he, I think they need him. Absolutely. And don't be mad at him if you're a Rebel fan. Because here's the thing. Right. When you have one year left, while you would like all you guys to come back and you know be like San Diego State with a rope and uh, and Seiko and Matt Bradley, uh, uh, yeah, and key offensive and, rebound every game. Like those guys had the advantage when they came back of pretty much knowing San Diego State was going to be good and they're going to make the tournament. Justin Webster doesn't know what the UNLV roster is going to look like, and I'll give you a prime example because I had to watch it today and I was like, um, Purdue actually got a really big second half from David Jenkins Jr. And if you follow UNLV basketball, you know who he is. Yeah. He's like 30 now, but he, has, he had a lot, another year of eligibility, and he landed at Purdue. And a lot of people are like, what is he doing? He wants to win. And that last year, it, you know, if you can contribute, that's cool, but it's fun to win and win at the highest level and, and be virtually guaranteed that you're going to make the tournament. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. I mean, I would say that maybe, I'm just guessing, maybe Webster would want to finish out his career at Oklahoma. That's where his dad played. His dad was a high-level player, but i got to tell you, Oklahoma's not guaranteed of anything after a 15 and 16 season. So and I don't know who's coming back for them. So we'll see. And I also, I would also say, I mean, look, 
one of the, the one of the elephants in the room last night too was Keyshawn Gilbert being available, not starting, and then only playing ten minutes in that game. I have, and and look, what do you and, think his future is? I have no idea. I mean, I, I don't either. Look, and I will say like because there was a moment too where again where I got to see so it was a unique advantage point because we were right across from UNLV bench and at the start of overtime one of the assistants pulled Keyshawn over and he's like talking to him you can see Keyshawn like nodding almost telling him to, I would assume and guess the message is like hey look man like these guys are going to close out this game and you don't know what that dynamic is anymore I, I don't know I I think look Keyshawn Gilbert I think has a really high ceiling as a, as a basketball player. And we saw that explosion in terms of his scoring and his ability to grow as a scorer in that role while also being a very good defender. I think his potential as a two-way player is really high. And I think if UNLV has a good enough staff to develop him, they should do everything they can to re-recruit him and keep him around. Be like, look, man, the season ended tough. We had a different role for you at the end because we didn't feel like it was working out or whatever it was, but we feel like you could be a lot better. I, I would think that you're fighting to keep him, but who knows? Brackets are coming out on Sunday, the men's bracket and the ladies' bracket. For the men, we're doing a March Madness Mania Bracket Challenge. It's brought to you by South Point and Dollar Loan Center. It's up at lvsportsnetwork.com. You can sign up. you got to set up an account. You can sign up now and then put in your bracket next week. This is awesome. The winner is going to get $2,500 cash from DLC and also a two-night staycation worth up to uh, – about a thousand bucks from the South Point, so we got a prize here in excess of three thousand dollars in value. Very cool. Go sign up, lvsportsnetwork.com. All the hosts will sign up as well, and we can all track how we do in the brackets. Go check it out. March Madness Mania Bracket Challenge, brought to you by South Point and Dollar Loan Center and the LV Sports Network. Cofield and Company is live at the Thomas and Mac for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, update, Big Ten Tournament. Penn State wins in overtime, 67-65. So that's a, a big one for NCAA bids and spots and buys and all that. So we got two games going on here, 6.30 start. Fans are fouling in. Boise fans, San Diego State. We got a lady here with a Kawhi Leonard jersey on. We got our, our buddy, the Beach Bum, over to the right here. He's a San Diego State fan. Uh, dude was telling us the other day, John, that he could hear the station. He could hear 1100 all the way down in San Diego. Said he had listened to the end of the San Jose State <laughs> UNLV game. I was like, okay, I love the power radio. That's a cool story. Um, I don't see Utah State fans, but their their section is down away. So I'm just going to set this up and why I'm so amped up because I love the energy of college basketball. Mm -hmm. What we're going to have at the start is San Diego State and San Jose State. So San Diego State will have a good number of fans here. They had like three sections last night. The students always drive up on Friday because they know they're going to make it to the semis. No. They always do. They will do the I believe we will win chant at the start of the game. At the end of the game, Utah State, the herd will be here. They also do the chant. So with five minutes left, San Diego State fans do it again to kind of signal like it's our time. We win. And I'm waiting for the Utah State fans will boo the F out of them because they believe that's their chant. Then the game will end, okay. and then Utah State will do their chant, their version of the chant, to start their game with San Diego State fans probably still here, booing the hell out of them for doing the chant. So you get this crossover. Then, you know, I don't I, – I think anyone who – anyone here who's not a San Diego State fan at the beginning of the game is rooting for San Jose State. Yeah. It's a great story. And the two other teams, Boise and, and Utah State, of course they, they're like, we don't want to play San Diego State. So they're going to be rooting for San Jose State. And then if Utah State 
and you know, whoever advanced, whoever. San Diego, I'm sorry, I got I got a little. You're getting excited. I know, I'm fired up. And then the San Diego State fans will stay around to watch the Utah State and Boise game to see who they're going to play. My guess is they will root for Utah State because of Leon Rice on the other side. So that's just my prediction. It got a little garbled there, but the energy in the building, and you know, the sad part is because San Jose State never wins. I'm rooting for the Spartans. There's, there's they're going to be like 300 Spartans fans in the building. Just swallow it up. I like that team, man. I like him too. Alvaro Cardenas yesterday. Alvaro Cardenas, if I could talk, yep. was freaking awesome yesterday in that game against Nevada. Yeah, deep breath. I'm bouncing off the walls. I'm ready. I am ready. So come on down. You still got a chance. Plenty of seats, but it's going to be really loud here. Really vocal. Rival fan bases. Um, I, you know, the funny thing is, I think the nastiest, most vulgar fans of all of them are actually the Utah State fans. They just are. They're they're they get really really mad, but. Leon Rice will get people going. Great job down here by Mateo. Thanks, Ari. Excellent guest list. John, thanks for joining us late. It's Cofield. Get on down here. Vegas Madness.